You're listening to Red Nation Online. Good work, long touch now by Rowe. In the space for Davies, who's in on the keeper. Squares it, open goal for Bunbury, and makes it 3-0! Teal applying the final touch, what a break from the Revs, and now they are in complete command. Saturday, August 30th. Steve Perry and I'm Ian Clark. We're back from BMO Field, and no chocolate-covered chicken wings or crowbars could adequately drown the sorrows of a 3-0 drubbing at the hands of the New England Revolution. It was over before it ever really started as the Reds looked completely unprepared and uninterested in committing themselves to a determined display. We touch on the match, but discuss what was Michael Bradley's worst performance for TFC, question the substitutions, and look back on this week's Tim Laiwiki interview and wonder what, if any effect, the last two weeks has had on this club. All this and more on the next 40 minutes on Eastside Stand Up. Have many notes after the second minute. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty much over, right? That was the sinking uh, feeling. A minute that. and 32 seconds. And we were already down. Yeah, it was like we were trying to uh, one up Everton today as, <laughs> against Chelsea, who, who had a similar start to their game. Not quite as bad, but uh, yeah, we're back from BMO up here on uh, what we call it Stafford Studios, rooftop studios. And uh, a 3-0 defeat to New England that has some pretty big ramifications. And I think off the top... It was our gift to New England, really. Yeah. For all those people who came. Yeah. And I think it says a lot. I mean, this this result, this performance, I think speaks volumes about where this club is right now. It may confirm some fears that may have been simmering for the last few weeks. I think some people were starting... What are you talking about? Well, I'm starting to say, like, I had, you know, you kind of heard some people through that when they came back from the World Cup about, you know, the, the game against New York where they gave up that last-minute goal, the losses at home, etc. You know, drop points. It seems just like that seems to be a reoccurring theme. And now, in the you, game that you was... Lose, in, you lose Julio Cesar at the World Cup time. You lose a bunch of players during the World Cup time, but there was not really... There was only, like, one game played, wasn't there? Or something? One or two, yeah. Yeah, so... But we were sort of on a winning streak at that point, weren't we? We were in a, well. We were in a great position in the table. Yeah. Yeah. With games in hand. And I think there was seven games where we sort of had ties or wins, so we had points in all those games. Yeah. And now all of a sudden we can't win a game, just like every other season, and it does seem like a rerun, right? Yeah. A bad, one of those bad reruns that only Toronto knows about. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, it's like a three-nil loss at home. <laughs> it just feels like it feels like last year or the year before or the year before and it's like you can it's a sinking but, feeling yeah and when I spit and I say that I, you know you also have to add in the fact that it's just uh, two guys who make 13 million dollars between the two of them on this on this roster we have three DPs you know we have a lot of pieces in there that's just it becomes a bit of a head scratcher of how it's not possible for this this group of guys to at home, at home, like that's the other well, baffling part. Well, well, I felt like you know, with Defoe off the pitch, we can't score, 
I mean, we've scored without him before, but it feels like in this last part of the season, like post-World Cup, it doesn't seem like we can really score without Defoe on the pitch. And then if Bradley has a bad game, forget it. It's over. <laughs> like, <laughs> That's, which, which happened today, right? Yeah, this is like another two, thing. Two of those, go- those first two goals were the result of, like, you know, something where Bradley missed it, right? And it went through and the first two, 20 minutes, two bad plays by Bradley, two goals, right? Yeah. So, anyway, I'm just thinking, like, you know, Bradley has a bad game, Defoe's out, we got nothing. Yeah. See, that's what it seems like to me. Yeah, and it's just the thing that just, again... you wanted to simplify it. Right. That just, I'm having trouble adding up is in terms of the messages that were coming out through the week in terms of Bez Pachenko talking about it being, you know, these games are important. We're getting in a must-win mode. They obviously must know it. And then to put out a display like this. And it's just, it reminds but, me of... But we are in a must-win mode because now we're down to the last position that could possibly win a playoff. And we're looking at the games coming up. And it doesn't look like we can win a game, and then like it, especially the way we're playing, it doesn't look like these next couple of games we're going to be able to win or get points off of. I mean, I'm thinking it's just another season of not making it to the playoffs again. It's more of the same. Yeah, and that's what a lot of people are saying in the stands. In fact, that one guy who we we're walking out with was calling for Nelson's head, right? Oh, right. And, yeah. And who can blame him? Like this coach, he's not really a tested coach. He's uh, sort of had a buy. Thanks to Laiwiki. I don't know. Like, you know, people are going, Is maybe this is going to be Laiwiki's legacy, right? This coach that had no experience. Well, yeah. And that's the thing is that his, his bold, big, bold statement was, this is going to be the easiest team to fix. It's Toronto FC. This is the one that we're going to turn around the quickest. And as it stands right now, I mean, obviously, yes, there's two months left. But it's really hard to, like, I, I think anyways, when you look at teams to all of a sudden kick it back up a gear. Like usually, there's the teams in MLS who there's a, moment, make it, there's a momentum slide. Yeah, never like a yeah. Or there's a level of consistency among certain teams. It, like a, a pretty consistent pattern or consistent precedent is that you know teams that do well are good at home, and well, we are not. And, and look at and look at what happened like with New England. They signed Jermaine Jones. He plays today. He gets like a substituted in the second half. Mm-hmm. But I don't see any movement from our end. I mean, I see players leaving. I don't see players coming. Yeah. And I, and I think of, um, I, I mean, I, I always felt like we were going to get caught with, like, you know, not having the depth on the bench, right? Which is, again, what the story is, right? We don't have any players. Like, we do have, I mean, I guess we have players. Like, we were talking about Ashton Morgan being a, a left fullback, but they don't play. They, they have a natural left fullback, but they don't play him. Not that, like, you know, Bloom and Hagelin had good games today, so it's not like they should be, their position should be, in jeopardy but like you know there's people on the bench that could be playing there's lots of people we don't have any depth like Ashton Morgan's not a depth player right like he's not a guy who's going to change the game we, we don't have players like that can come off and change this game no we, we are basically struggling to put players on the field again like it's like uh it's groans when they bring people on because it's like who are they gonna like I mean I'm sure Dero got like a you know a bit of a innovation of sorts but it's only because he's a fan favorite and you know he had a good ch- chance on net at the end but like not something that was dangerous like i don't know like we don't have anybody there's no flair there's no pizzazz there's nothing it's not like uh it's not a jurgen klinsman yeah and i don't know if that's i mean does that speak to the, the players on the pitch because i think if we talk about them individually some of them have do have that flair we know aduro is able to do things on his own or is it just the, the way the team never is been set able up to finish you know i mean he's a great I, you know i just i'm still waiting for him to score 
honestly. Fuck, he's so great, and I really hope for something for him, but fuck, I've never seen him score. <laughs> no, I think it's all been on the road. Only yeah. a couple of goals that he scored. But that's just the thing. It's just, I, again, I'm trying to determine, <clears throat> is it the players that we have, or is it just the, the approach that we take when we get out on the pitch in terms of Bradley? Well, they could have put, DK, they could've put DK in, right? Yeah. Instead of putting Dero in. That should have been a move. Or that Jackson. Was, that should have been a move. I mean, yeah, that should have been moved on earlier in the game because really that lineup wasn't doing anything. Like no. we, I mean, it was stagnant for the first half. We were down. It was awful for the first half. It was surprising that there was no changes at the I half. mean, do we dare? Do we dare discuss this? I mean, what do we have to say about it? I mean, we kind of mentioned there was the two, the two goals within the 20 minutes and both of them were very similar in yeah. terms of just like the first half. I, I mean, I made that note saying we can't pass it out of our own end, our own half. You know, the only way we're getting the ball out of our own half is if we're sending a long ball it's down because Bradley plays so deep, right? And uh, the thing is that he looks like he's playing a sweeper position. And and Henry has to play a stopper position, but he plays so deep back. And he comes so close to Henry to pick up the ball. And then he's, like, working from pretty far back. Now, I know he's trying to make a lot of space on the pitch. Like, he's trying to expand it so that, like... I mean, these players are playing pretty compressed. And he's sort of opening it up a little bit so that he's got more space to work with and the ball can work further and you know you get the New England players running but when you're not getting the passes and you're not like when there's simple mistakes in the middle of the park and you've got a good striker that's coming against you it's over right yeah and that would happen to us twice in the first 20 minutes and so <clears> like, you know one thing that I was thinking about or an observation that I think like, the thing is that we don't our, for, our midfield doesn't like our midfield is collapsed into our into our fullbacks. Yeah, that's what I'm is, saying. So we're playing so far back that we're never going to get forward. Right, like, and I'm trying to compare this point of the year with the start of the season when things look better. And at the beginning of the year, Bradley was was the guy who was playing pressure up top. I mean, he was at the he was on the other side. Yes, you know he was. Yeah, he was pressuring the ball uh, of the opposition's defenders and midfielders. It reminds me of Tim Frings last year. Actually, when Frings at the last half of the season just played, like he started playing in the fullbacks mm-hmm. position, right? It, that seems like we've just got that same, it's a metaphor for the sinking feeling that we have, right? It's just that the, also the lineup has sunk. Yeah. I don't know. It's a sinking feeling. That's all I can say. Yeah. And it was like, not to sort of just keep piling it on, but I mean, this was probably the worst performance I've seen Michael Bradley have. For Toronto FC and it just if I could summarize it I mean it just he just didn't look committed like he just it looked so casual and so just was didn't look like he was willing to get stuck in everything just looked like half of what I think we saw when he first came here in a time through this season I feel like maybe the weight of uh, the responsibility is starting to be heavy on him you know it's almost like shit like we can't it's just like so maybe some of this reality is setting in maybe that's what I feel like yeah and I wonder if that's like we, we drew this comparison week where it's like it's like same thing as 2010 when it was just you know give the ball to Julian pass it to Julian just yeah, to make I sure saw, he does it and I it, saw more of that today and it's just like now and you could see that that wore on him that he was like Jesus man like am I the only guy that's that, take, yeah. that takes a ball and that was I mean the first goal Bloom has some pressure out on the wing and then he passes it to Instead of either putting it upfield or fighting through that through that one v one, he just looks for he just looks for Bradley, who's not in a good position to receive a pass, and then he just passes it into space, and New England runs onto the ball, and Lee win, and then scores yeah. that opener. I mean, if you would have lost it on the flank, it would have been better. Yeah, 
in terms of mistakes if you were to rank mistakes yep anyway it's like that's a sort of like a football one-on-one kind of thing it's like you never want to lose it in the middle of the park in your end and speaking of which that was like pretty much how the second goal yeah. came about yeah i mean we just thing. put it up the middle for those who missed the first part of the thing because you were having trouble getting in because of the exhibition yeah you know you got to see it again <laughs> essentially and essentially and, and, I, I and you didn't have to wait for the half <laughs> yeah for a cheap giveaway yeah. where they just came back and that's that second both in both goals were identical placement on goal you know mm-hmm. they were uh, to, to Bendix right so they went left left post and into the exact same spot from both of them roughly around 20 to 25 yards out yeah and, and there we are 2-0 in the first half Leaving at the half to a chorus of boos. Yeah, we shouldn't forget that. But also people leaving before the half there, even started. Yeah, right? there was people and, in our section and, that were like, see you, I'm out of here. And some, and sometimes people, you know, uh, berate them with like cheers of part-time, po- part-time you know, supporters and stuff like that. But not today. <laughs> people were like, well, I get it. Yeah, no yeah. one's blaming you. And in fact, at the end of the game, when they were doing that TFC stamp, you know where they do the stamp, that, where they stamp their feet and yeah, do like this TFC Yeah, like a one, two, thing? three. Yeah, one, two, three, one, two, three. Someone yells out, that's the sound of us leaving. <laughs> <laughs> and so there's my sight and sound because I felt it was sort of apt. Even like, you know, we always talk about the attendance being like a, a trumped up number. But like today, people were just going, are you crazy? Like they were just like trying to yell at the announcer for like the number that they're trying to give, like yeah. a sold out crowd. And and like it's, it's like, tickets sold. And they're like, even he said attendance. He yeah. said attendance. That <laughs> was, means that There was a debate. Are... There was a stiff debate about the, the, the number that they yeah. were giving out, which, you know, people were just like, enough bullshit, really. That, that to me, sim- symbolically and metaphorically, well, you know, that's symbolically. It's like, yeah, people are just had enough of the crap, right? The spin and... Simplified, it sucks. It was awful today. Yeah. And I don't know. I mean, we Not were... even a crowbar could make it better. But it felt like some of those guys were eating crowbars before the game, man. <laughs> I mean, honestly. And for those who don't know what that is, that's a croissant with a chocolate bar in it. Yeah. We which had was, them after Which the is game. a feature at the exhibition. Clearly hasn't. Uh, you, last week, we, we filled up, and I think it took the edge off the, the results. But, of course, that was a draw. This is a loss. So, yeah, so it's uh, the edge is The edge is still on, and I'm, I'm just like... So we always try to kind of keep this in without going too overboard. I mean, the, this podcast has had its um, its own periods of sort of doom and gloom. And in the last couple of years, I think we've kind of found a way to talk about this team and at least keep it lighter. But, um, man, I'm, str- I'm struggling on this one. i got to tell you, Steve. Yeah, it's tough to talk about anything that was exciting or interesting. No, in this game if, I mean, if I had to be perfectly straight, there's probably one player that I thought maybe walks out of that game without any blood on their hands and that's Nick Hagland. I was going to yeah, I thought you would say that because of that uh, he there was a couple of there was a couple of plays that he had where he was uh, he made actually great offensive challenges and uh, there was that one where he took that ball where Bradley took a kick mm. and uh, he was running forward. You didn't think he was going to get it. He took the ball down, brought the ball down and unfortunately he got turned around in the process. Otherwise he was straight on. Like if he would have taken it down. I don't think he stride, believed that he was going to be able to do it. He really had, he overextended himself and I could tell that he was off balance and turned and the defenseman turned him and then all of a sudden he's got the ball at his feet but he's going, the he's in the wrong way and he couldn't get it around but it was just beautiful just the way he took it down. Yeah. I mean that was the only real play of like going, wow that's amazing but 
uh, we had nothing good from it. You know, we didn't get anything out of it. Yeah, unfortunately. I thought he was pretty good, like up and down the flank. You know, I you even, saw him. I even felt that Bloom had some good plays in the first half. So aside from the pass of Bradley. Yeah, but yeah, no. <laughs> aside from that, but I would say that you know maybe the outside uh, fullbacks had good games. Had a good game. Well, com- comparatively speaking, especially. Yeah. I mean, there isn't a lot to to go from that. I mean, the only the only Steve, I don't know if you want to like have any other details but I mean of course there's the third goal which was just Colin Warner it's again this is another thing that in tandem with Bradley where it was like we signed Colin Warner which was my impression that okay Warner is going to be like the defensive mid that kind of lays back and and covers the back line which allows Bradley to push forward but that really hasn't been the case of late and Warner is working 1v1 and the guy just does like a stutter step and then runs right by him Right. Like it was nothing and then they cut into the box and Henry closes kind of like comes in on his angle and they just slot it across and there's no They ran there. past Warner and I think they ran past Orr and the thing is that I think that Orr had taken a shot to the nuts just previous to that play. <laughs> he was completely winded and uh, was having problems being composed and I think he was really not ready to play yet. You know, he's probably still swallowing his puke, right? So honestly... It was a couple of things that happened, which made the guy, it was just the guy was able to run by, and then slot a perfect pass through Henry, who was in the middle, right, and right to their player, who was wide open on the outside, and I was just like, <laughs> it was a beautiful goal, uh, one you'd love to see us score. Yeah. Unfortunately, it was scored against us, and it did leave you wondering, how could these guys run by us? And I'm wondering, the one thing I thought about this game, too, was how much credit do we maybe give New England? I mean, it's that's a pretty bold statement. This kind of performance for a team to come into another one's, you know, stadium that's full, put Toronto in a position where, once they get to their half, they don't know. We didn't know what to do. You know, and once we had that one pass to the midfield, our midfielders turned around and didn't know where to go with it. They, they, yeah, they played well. They ran through us like nothing. I felt they were a much better team than us. Uh, I didn't feel that they outpossessed us on the ball. I felt that we had a lot of possession. But yeah, I don't think they did actually. But I, think I, I saw that stat. But I don't. But you know, I was thinking that. We don't know what to... You're right. We don't know what to do with it when we get it up. If we get it up. We don't really get it past the midfield, right? So we just didn't have game, I think, is what it comes down to. Yeah. Like none what's like whatsoever Yeah. through this game. It was like everyone just came out there sleepwalking. And uh, we just got completely uh, annihilated, pretty much. Like there was no point where it seemed like this team was like in the game and going to make it happen. I guess... I mean, Gilberto had a few chances here and there. We I thought he was going to have a good game because it was warm weather out. Yeah, it was hot. It was muggy. It was Brazilian weather, you know? Yeah, it was humid, right? So that theory is out the window. Yeah. <laughs> Not that it was being hold, held up to anything to begin he did with. Have the, he did have the most shots on net, though. He had three shots. So in terms of production, I think he was, you know, the player who produced the most out of attempts at, on goal, right? Yeah. But uh, I don't know. Yeah. Nothing from him, really. No. and Nothing dangerous from him. No, not dangerous enough. I think he only had one good chance on goal uh, that actually was on target to make yeah. make a good save. Um, but if we look ahead, Steve, I think that's... I mean, we, we touched on it, but it is worth looking at these next few games. The, this We've got is, two games against Philadelphia this week, right? Yeah, and the, I mean, the, the funny thing is when I talked to Phil Tobin, what was it, two weeks ago, before this was, this was in the Kansas City game, I think we both were looking ahead saying, you know, these two Philadelphia games are the pivotal games. 
expecting better results from these two games. Like, so we would have thought that Toronto, we would have thought those have been pivotal games for us being closer to the top. Now it's these are pivotal games for just staying somewhere and just staying in playoff contention. Because if you look at Philadelphia, they're sitting in seventh. So we should say we're in fifth with 33 points, and it's kind of a three-way tie with New England and Columbus. And New England and Columbus both have one. We have one game in hand, but that doesn't speak to a lot, just considering how well we've been playing. And then you have New York and Philadelphia. Well, with Defoe, with Defoe's not going to be back for these two games, right? So, no. And then probably not back for the next game, right? No, and we're still missing Caldwell and Morrow. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, we have Philadelphia on Wednesday and then on Saturday. And these, I mean, that's there's there's the game in hand is going to be gone. And then, and then you said we had play Chivas and Portland at homes coming up, and those two games are probably not games that are winnable. No, nope. and then it's Chicago away, which should be winnable because Chicago sucks, but they just came in here and tied us. So none no, of it's, it's a sure thing. I mean, Chivas is doing okay. Portland's had a bad season, but I just it's. I don't know what to say about this team, and it's. We, I got this sinking feeling, and where it's feeling like 2009, where we had this great team on paper, and we should have been doing so much better, but the results didn't match up to what to what the talent was in the in the locker room. Yeah. So it's. I'm a little, you know, just kind of stumped where to where to go or what to think about uh, what's going to happen in the coming weeks. Well, you know, some of the same problems exist, right? We still don't have a striker who can score at this point. Like Defoe was the answer to that. With him injured, we don't, you know, no de- no depth on the bench, which is still a continual problem. Those things are obviously obvious issues. The thing I said to you in the first half was that. Look at our set pieces. I said it to you within the first five minutes. We had a set play. Uh, nothing comes from our set plays, which means that we don't practice them. You can tell they're they're sort of just. It's like a uh, a wing and a prayer kind of thing. You just hope something happens, but just kick it sort of in the area and hope something happens. But that's never a good thing. You should be a practice. You should have practice set plays. We don't seem to have them ever. You never see them do anything it's just like whoever fights for the ball and gets it to take the kick and then they just sort of make it up as they go yeah all of our set pieces we had lots of set plays we had lots of kicks we, we had, had lots t- of, corners. Lot of corners and <clears throat> to not get anything out of those is noticeable and you know down like a all season we've never done it like i'm just like going like you look at germany they have four players that want run that are sitting around the ball for the set piece you don't know who's going to do what and there's like all kinds of things that they can do uh, we don't have one idea, one not one idea. So it, 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 that worries me all the time because I'm just thinking, why don't you practice that? Just take a practice and practice set pieces. Practice a bunch of them. Get some some plans down about how to do some stuff. Do some quick, like have some for quick set pieces because you can get a team off guard that way. Like there's lots of things you can do with set pieces. Obviously, we haven't considered that a, something that's important, which to me is kind of bullshit. Like no, no, like seriously, no, corner and, kicks and, and things like that. And I was that's gonna, a great way to get. That's a great way to get on the scoreboard. And I was gonna say, like, is there any? Can you think of anything with what we have right now that's let's just say let's call it like a that's quick, an easy, a quick that's fix? A, that's an easy thing. And, to fix. and is that it? Is that like maybe that's that one thing? Is a quick fix, or is it like, is there anything with the players that we're putting out there that anything like that that you would switch up? Yeah, I don't know. I, ideally, you'd like to see DK get a run to see if he's like could be the striker fix. Right, because we need a striker. Gilberto, Gilberto is not the striker that we hoped. He's not the finisher, so we need somebody else. DK's off of injury. 
everyone's wondering why he hasn't been put in the formation, especially with Defoe out now. Everyone's like, what's the what's the holdup? I mean, is he is he is he match fit? Maybe he's not, right? But everyone's like wondering why he's not in the game. Yeah. So that's uh, certainly a question that people are asking. Those are some of the things, but maybe we need another striker. Like, is there? Can they sign somebody? I don't know. <laughs> These are just questions that people are asking around the thing, and I just remembered them, right? So I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It's. I mean, for me, it's it's tough to say, and I don't know if it's just a matter of. You know, you have the players that we have for now. Do you and, need and to build up a spine better so that Bradley can move forward? Right. Yeah. That, I, mean, I mean, that's Warner that's doesn't a, seem to be the guy. I said it already, and then that was just the thing that's obviously that came to mind was that when we were playing better. I do think the formation is probably... Yeah, I just don't remember this was the way that he was being utilized. was just this guy that was just laying back so deep all the time and everything had to go back to him. But the last two games, we've noticed that he has been playing very deep. And it's... I don't know, like it's... Is that him saying this this season's been a grind? I mean, he came straight from Europe, came into this league, went through a World Cup, and is now playing again. Can he do that? Can he play that position where he's he has to be delivering high pressure? But it seems like he has to come further back to be able to start trying to build the play, right? But the problem is that there doesn't seem to be somebody that he can pass to beyond himself. Like, Osario doesn't seem to be there. Adoro seems to be playing wing. Moore's playing wing. Like, we've got our midfielders playing wing positions. So it doesn't seem like we have the midfield. The, the fullbacks on the outside, they play in the midfield. But they don't seem to get the ball back, right? So it doesn't go forward from Bradley so much. It doesn't seem to go forward into the... Like, it seems to... Like, there seems to be something that's not making a link between that and the forwards. Mm-hmm. Because maybe Bradley's playing too shallow. That's what I'm thinking. We have a gap in the midfield, and it's because Bradley's playing too shallow. Yeah. And he maybe doesn't have the confidence to in anybody else to pick up the ball, right? Like, it, it seems kind of like crazy that he comes like 10 yards away from Henry to get the ball and there's nobody even that they're beating with a pass like it's still in front of a player I'm just like why would you come that close to get the ball it's almost like you're just taking it off Henry like you don't even trust him to make a pass past the player it seems like you don't have the confidence in your own defense that's all I'm saying I I don't know yeah it's if I mean that's the observation I don't know what else to say about that (laughs) Honestly, I mean, this is obviously it's a very forgettable game, but uh, I mean, we're back at it Wednesday, and it's going to be, it could be the beginning of a, a, a very tough stretch for us, and I'm not really sure. The thing that sticks to mind. Well, it seems like it's the beginning of the slide out of playoffs, right? That's what seems it's going to be, and I don't think we can win any of these next five games. I just, to me, it seems. Well, ba- like based the on season, the last the few, is, I think a lot of people in that stadium feel the same thing. Yeah, and the funny thing is to kind of segue out of it that this week there was that pretty interesting uh, on Sportsnet Radio interview with Tim Laiwiki and he kind of said some things that, 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 that kind of caused a little, stir, a little bit of a stir because his last comment when he left was there was a question something like you know do you read the blogs and he referred to it as a cesspool of whatever and which of course got a lot of people got their feathers rolled up and especially I saw a hilarious tweet I think it was from the Yorkies where they said maybe Mr. maybe we should provide Mr. Lightwicket with a folder that's dated 2007 to 2012 that he might (laughs) want to read up on to get a better understanding of where we're coming from when we're saying these things about this team and that's something that I think is I've always found frustrating like when Kevin Payne came in or anyone new comes through the door there just seems to be 
they just they're like whoa everyone here's so critical and it's like yeah <laughs> yeah good we reason. are you there's know a history I mean? of being f- like played like fools yeah i think there's i think there's a distinction between being negative and being critical and i don't think they're the same thing you know i think and if i was just being negative then i would just be just be verbal diarrhea just shit on things with with no discussion no trying to come up with solutions there but wouldn't the, be any but the critique is with the hopes of trying to improve right yeah and the reason why uh, all this this like independent media which is the blog sphere sphere exists is because they're they're not a medium that's been bought and sold right they haven't been they're not in his back pocket they're tr- and they want to see the team do better not that Cathal kelly or all these people are not trying to see the team do better but they do have certain interests for access yeah to make lywicki and company look good right? and that was my so, observation of that interview was that there's a bit of like a happy ending with all of kelly's stuff right yeah <laughs> unfortunately yeah I mean, he says some great things, but unfortunately, uh, it's a bit too Pollyannic for me, and I just feel like there's some things missed. I wish that, you know, there was a little bit more putting to the hand to the fire kind of thing, right? Yeah. Anyway. Anyways, and in that interview, I just felt that I can't remember who it was who was doing it. I just thought, he just, I just, you can just tell, you know, like, Wiki walks in there probably with his, you know, $5,000, $10,000 suit, and those guys just, Impressed by yeah, him. impressed by who he is and this and that, and it's just you know we said a, we said this last week. What is this guy's legacy? We haven't done anything, and he, and he goes on the show saying you know we came here to change the culture. That was that's why he came here, and I sort of it feels think, like the culture pushed him out. Well, and and, <laughs> I, and I also say it's just like really like how do you change a culture by being here for two years and then leaving? Before, I mean, you, that, before you change before it. anything's really ha- I mean that culture can be reversed in a year easily yeah, yeah. so I just it, to me it just doesn't feel like any, it's going to be anything long standing and I'm just I'm just really not impressed by the coming and going and, to be honest and with his failure it also leads the way for anyone who would be even better than him if there's you know somebody ego driven as much as him to be able to come in like I feel like that there's someone better than Lightwiki to come in I feel like MLSC now doesn't won't trust even a hot shot right so they're not even going to try and get a hot shot anymore like I think you know this is the best we'll do Lightwiki was the best we could do and that's it yeah. it's not even they're not going to try and shoot for the moon anymore and it's going to just it's going to be more me- mediocrity from here on out uh, no, well, like I honestly, I think no, but like who can they get? I'm trying to think of who would be better than Lightwiki, like someone because Lightwiki, you know, has enough uh, balls to stand up to them and say, give us like let loose the purse strings, and was able to do something about that, right? Is there somebody else out there like that? I don't know if there's many people like that who could do that uh, because you know he came with looking at the galaxy's record, and they w- that would have garnered a little bit of trust from that uh, that organization, right? from their, you know they're pretty tight-fisted right so yeah. you think is there somebody else who could do that like who could they would trust especially after this guy leaving after two years and getting worse results or getting sort of the same results with more expense did it you know did the experiment they, they would look at this as not being an experiment that worked and i feel you know they're not gonna hire a guy with who's just as good they're not gonna give the purse strings over 
it's going to be more tightening of the belt, less like you're, you're going to get. You're not going to get good. Players. Well, especially if you think about think about this, that if if this team doesn't, let's say, get to the playoffs this year, why would they ever? Why would they ever open up the purse strings for another six, two six million dollar signings? That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, that's what they I'm thinking. They never will. That's what I'm thinking. That's right? exactly what I'm thinking. This this has not been an experiment that's worked. They, they will stick with less expensive experiments in the right? future. And the, and the irony, too, is that on his exit, you know, one of like his first like The culture first has things, not been changed. No, the culture it, will be reversed. And he said Toronto FC was going to be the easiest one to fix. Yeah, well, you said that, yeah. yeah. So I know we're kind of getting a little bit ahead of ourselves. There's obviously 10 games left in the season. But I think that's... As we're walking out, I mean, we saw JC, and he was—he was—he's usually super positive, and he was angry. You know, he was upset, and I don't think you can blame people for talking this way or being critical because obviously we've had to go through—we've endured through this for the last seven years. I mean, no no club in MLS has has had a has not made the playoffs in this stretch of time. No team that's ever been an expansion side has never gone this long <laughs> without making the playoffs. We're a unique breed that I think especially I get my back up against the wall when you hear either that interview with Lywicki or anyone from from the club when they're sort of like they get defensive about the fans and supporters being upset about this and I just wish they'd be like yeah fuck yeah we're upset about it man you know we well, he had in. a different understanding when he came in right he's like yeah you, you gotta build you gotta build support yeah like you gotta give people what they want but he fe- I guess he feels like he's given us what we want there's still, still some huge holes. I mean, you got two big problems, right? You got a guy who maybe is just like a manager, but he's not doesn't know enough about like having a full squad for a football team. And you've got a coach who's like very inexperienced and doesn't have enough players. Like he doesn't have enough good players on that on that lineup. Like there's, we obviously can't go to our bench. That's been a problem. Like always, the last half of the season, we really shit the bed. Like it's the first half we shit the bed, but then we really shit it. So it just feels like. <laughs> You know the metaphor being that the, there's lots of seagull shit on the on the seats tonight. Yeah, not who to, else saw that? Well, lots bitchy, of, it's, 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 it's a whole lot of symbolism. Bitchy wasn't doing or Chester, I don't know whatever the bird's name is now, wasn't doing their job. Seagulls, man, were disrespecting the field. <laughs> and and you know the people who clean them are usually our asses, right? <laughs> <laughs> there's no real maintenance that goes on in this field, so I'm thinking, uh, yeah, it was a real metaphor for. The season, the, the part and of the what's season, what's going that, on right now? Part of the season that we're at, which is like, and this is a tradition. I mean, we were talking about traditions, and this is our tradition. <laughs> <laughs> we can't win. We can't make the playoffs. That's our tradition. Well, Steve, it's like that. Uh, it's like that commercial for Pepside, Peptid, Peptide, Peptabismol. Uh, no, it's that uh, commercial where the people got heartburn. The family with heart. Of heartburn, oh, okay, okay. And the guy takes some Pepsid or something. And he's like. What you don't? What's wrong with tradition? <laughs> this is our story. Yeah, we can't make the playoffs. That's well, you know what? JC won't be positive. Well, I, I was gonna say maybe I will, but I'm again. I'm just looking at the schedule as we round this out. As we've said, we got we got the back to back against Philadelphia, and those that will be the pivotal. That will be a very pivotal part of our season, and unfortunately, uh, we have uh, Canada's playing over that stretch. So it'll be interesting to see. We know that uh, Ryan Nelson has already lamented that <laughs> that Canada called up a whole bunch of players from Toronto FC: Daniel Henry, Ashton Morgan, Kyle Becker, Dwayne Di Rosario. They're not bringing up Osorio, 
So, but the, the you know he doesn't. The only player he plays out of that lot is Henry, right? And Osorio. And Osorio. So That's yeah, it. that was the thing I was gonna say was that he he did this last. Who's year he really too. missing? Yeah, <laughs> it's like you'd only play these guys if he absolutely, absolutely, really was down to next to nothing would ever put any of them on the pitch. And now he's and then he starts complaining that we're taking all his players. Well, it's yeah. like, Talk about smoke and mirrors. Yeah. I have no, I have zero sympathy for him complaining about the CSA or Canada taking it, or and he's saying these things like and they didn't even say thank you. <laughs> go, like, <laughs> go you know what I mean? Yeah. Do, does does uh, does Germany say have to go say thank you to all the uh, to Bayern Munich? <laughs> no, they do not. You know, it's just like, guess what? The, the national teams do kind of take priority sometimes. Yeah. So suck it up. We've made our bed this season. Right, like since we came back from this World Cup, there's countless games that the results. Should we shouldn't be this vulnerable at this part of the season. No, there's games where there should have been substitutions not made in the 89th minute for the first time. You know, that's another one that yeah. that if I look at Ryan Nelson and say, there's a lot of things to point back to now that would say we wouldn't be in this position now, and you wouldn't be in a position where this 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 friendly would be affecting your team. So you made your bed, now you got to lie in it. We'll leave it at that. <laughs> I think that's a person. We'll leave it at that. Yeah. So, Steve Perry, you are on the west side again. I am, yeah. We're just higher up from last week. And you're last representing week the, the east. The east side. As you should. Yeah. So, hey, guys, we may not be back midweek, but we will next Saturday when we host the Philadelphia Union, and we'll see how that, that podcast goes. By then, we'll know we'll the know. future. The future yeah. will no longer be unwritten. I think so. <laughs> so, hold on to your uh, buckle up. It'll yeah. be a bumpy ride, and uh, we'll catch you guys next time. Thanks for listening. Eastside Stand-Up is the only Toronto specific podcast breaking down the game right after it happens. We want you to get involved. Reach out to us on Twitter at RedNationOnline or on email at info at RedNationOnline.ca and share your thoughts on how the Reds did on the pitch today. As well, check out other podcasts on RedNationOnline.ca from the Black Hole and their gaffer and hooligan, giving you all the coverage you want on Canadian soccer. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time.